the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Well, we're in chapter 4 of the book of Romans. We are going to begin with verse 8, Romans chapter 4, verse 8. Paul is speaking, and you recall that Paul is writing to a group of what we believe to be a group of Jewish people, and he's explaining to them the reality that righteousness does not come through what we do. That righteousness, which is defined for most people as right standing with God, cannot be created, cannot be attained by the works of man. So therefore, the righteousness that they believe they had through Abraham, through lineage, and through the act of circumcision, could not be true. Righteousness has to come by faith. It cannot come by works. And Paul is proving his point. And he's doing it in almost in the fashion of an attorney. He is taking it point by point, and he is taking those concrete foundations that they believe they have. He's taking their principal notions, and he is literally knocking the legs out from under him. He's saying, this doesn't work. So let's begin in verse 8 of chapter 4. And Paul's speaking, writing, and he says, Blessed and happy... And to be envied is the person whose sin the Lord will take no account nor reckon it against him. And as we said last week, this is actually a quote from a Davidic psalm, Psalm 32, verse 1, where David says, Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is he who has forgiveness of his transgressions continually exercised upon him whose sin is covered. Now notice that it doesn't say, blessed is the man who never sins. But that's the way we interpret it, isn't it? But it doesn't say that. It doesn't say, blessed is the man who never sins. In fact, this is speaking of collective behavior. So it is a person who does sin. A person who has sin in his behavior. He says, blessed is the person in which sin... Now, this is really what the verse, the context of the verse is saying. Blessed is the person whose sin, in which sin, has no effect on his relationship with God. In other words, blessed is the person whose behavior, sinful behavior, has no effect on his relationship with God. 
Well, now, you would never hear that in most pulpits. Because we want you to know, if you sin, God's going to punish you, and He's going he's to disfellowship you. He's going to separate Himself from you until you get your act together. So, how many of you have lived a sinless life so far? Ooh. So, I can only presume that you haven't had much fellowship with the Lord this week, huh? Doesn't work. Just doesn't work. The God of all creation, who has a consciousness of the ever-present, who sees all things in present tense, created man, and in man saw man's beginning and man's end. Do you think that God, this God, would immediately, in this capricious way, set standards for man in order for man to have a relationship with Him that, that He must attain righteousness by His own works? Do you think God would do that? No. Because God is God. And He knows that man could not attain righteousness by His own works. Now... He says, blessed is the person in which sin has no effect on his relationship with God, because God has done the math, and the sins are all paid in full. You know, Paul is using accounting terms here to show that this is not a cover-up, this is actually a reckoning of God. In other words, God has looked into this, He has done the math, You know, 2 plus 2 is going to equal 4. So, He is just. He is justified. He is righteous when He declares you righteous. He is true. This is the truth, is what this verse is saying. Blessed is the man. doesn't say blessed will be the man. It said blessed is the man. God reckons or accounts that sin was punished, paid. Both the sin and the sinner went to the cross. And the new life that resurrected with Christ will never be condemned by sin. Never be condemned by sin. You see, sin is no longer counted against those who are in Christ. They have been birthed into righteousness through His life. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24. He says, "He personally being Jesus, he personally bore our sins in his own body on the tree as on an altar and offered himself on it that we might die, cease to exist to sin and live to righteousness." By his wounds you have been healed. Die, which literally means that the old sin nature, the one who had its lineage in Adam, the one who literally was birthed into the sin of Adam, that one who was separated from God, was with Christ, died with Christ, and for those who would, were resurrected into a new life. Now how many sins went to the grave? All of them. Well, that means the sin you commit tomorrow went to the grave too? Is that that what it means? Wow, somebody needs to let the enemy know that because he's been accusing me. The truth of the matter is that every sin that you will ever commit, God looks in the present tense and says, this is Todd's life. He looks down and he says, this is Todd's life. Christ is taking all of that from beginning to end to the cross. 
and it's going to die. Not only is the sins the behavior, but the root of the sins, which is sin, is going to die. The person that Todd was in his sin will no longer exist. And you see here that the resurrected life, not the old life, but the resurrected life, the life that he raised, the life that every new Christian possesses, is righteous, is made righteous. It's a work of creation. Made righteous. So we're resurrected into righteousness, birthed into righteousness. Now, how can God account sin to this righteous individual? Can he account or attribute sin to this person who's been resurrected from the grave? No. Why? Well, the reason God can reckon us righteous is because we are righteous. The sinful man that died with Christ, the righteous has been resurrected with Christ. Now, here we're talking about who we are. And yes, I know that none of us live perfectly. I know that we sin. We make mistakes. We have failures. That is not what he is talking about. He's talking about who you are. If you ask me who I am and I say, I am a preacher. You say, no, 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 what's your name? I am a preacher. Well, no, no, no. I need to know what your name is. Well, I preach. Well, well, well what's your family name? Well, you know, I preach at church. You know, you're going to get a little frustrated. You're going to say, this guy is really dense. Well, this is the truth of it. We are righteous. That's who we are. It's not about, now this is going to sound like greasy grace, but it is not about what we do. It's about who we are. This righteousness, okay? Now, addressing the issue of sin, we all know that if this new resurrected individual, sin does no longer suit him. Sin will not work for him. Sin does not offer him any life. If you don't believe me, go try it. Does that sound like something a preacher would say? Well, it's the truth. I have so much confidence that you're going to utterly fail at it and be miserable that I say, go. You need to find that out for yourself. You know, Augustine, one of the uh, church mystics and philosophers and founders of the early church, Augustine had a plaque at the foot of his bed that he would read when he got up and when he went to bed. And that plaque was a scriptural quote. It said, Blessed is the man upon whom the Lord will impute no iniquity. That's the first thing he read when he woke up. It's the last thing that he read before he went to bed. You know, your life would reflect a whole lot more truth, a whole lot more readily, and your countenance would display the presence of that new life more if you didn't dwell on your failures. It would. If you would remind yourself that you don't need to dwell on those failures and you don't need to wonder how God's going to respond to you because of those failures, your life, your countenance, your approach to life would begin to change. You would begin to find a freedom and a liberty in the way you live. Now this is not a liberty to sin. If you take it as license, you're going to go out there and spoil yourself. You're going to ruin yourself. 
But if you take it for a liberty to live in the communion of Christ, to live in the counsel of the Lord, to celebrate His life, to live out the truth, to literally be free to enjoy His presence, rather than apologizing and feeling a presumptuous whenever you go and say, Lord, forgive me, or Lord, I repent. And you know what? So many of us have stayed away from Him have literally walked away from our relationship with Him because we don't want to presume on His grace. We don't want to hurry back too soon. You know, He's probably still pretty sore at us. You know what that is? That's unbelief. And it's sin. It's sin. Well, Paul is speaking of a righteousness that, that is inherent in who we are. And this righteousness that He literally made us to be gives us the liberty to get up from our failures and walk forward in communion with God. That's what repentance is. It's turning from your sin and going forward. Now, some of us may have misinterpreted what repentance is and in their mind they think repentance is forgiveness. Well, listen... If you haven't asked Christ into your life to be your Savior, then you do need forgiveness. But if you have asked Christ into your life to be your Savior, you have been given forgiveness. You've been given a life in communion with Him. You just need to repent and turn from the focus of sin and turn to the focus of Him. You see, God created you for communion. He created you for fellowship. And if you're living to your failures, then you're not giving him any of that. Romans 4.9, Paul says, Is this blessing, this happiness, then meant only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We say that faith was credited to Abraham's righteousness. In other words, is living in fellowship with God and being considered righteous only for the circumcised? And who, who was circumcised in that day and time? Only the Jew. So he's saying, is this righteousness only for the Jew? The circumcision was actually an evidence or a sign of a covenant with God. It was a sign that only the Jew bore. Or, he uses the word or, also for the uncircumcised. In other words, the lesser, the spiritually weak, the non-religious, the non-Jew. Is it just for the strong, or is it also for the weak? Let me tell you something. I am so glad that this gospel is for the weak. I am so glad. What a blessing to know that it is not for the disciplined, or the intellectually superior, or the gifted. Only in the flesh are those things really valued. They're not valued before the Lord. Jesus is interested in those who come to Him weak, recognizing they cannot save themselves, looking to Him, having nothing to offer. You know, I had some visitors at the door today. It was a uh, really handsome young couple. They were all dressed up. And they were wanting really badly to share with me. And I did as I usually do. I gave them my testimony, the testimony of my life, not when I was saved and when I repented. But I told him about how I loved my God and how I walked with Him and how I loved the communion that I shared with Him, the fellowship that I had with Him, how I loved His presence in me and His faithfulness to me. I shared this with them 
And they said thank you and tried to give me a piece of paper and walked away. And I was grieved. I was grieved because they were too strong. They were too strong to receive Him. They're still out there trying to somehow earn their own righteousness, create for themselves their own holiness, somehow make their flesh pleasing to God through what they do. And they're in a relationship that they have to maintain. And they can lose like that. I am so glad that Christ did it all. And that He has given us a relationship that He holds by His hand that is maintained by His life within us. I grieve for that couple, as I would grieve for any. But I also grieve for the saved, who live under the same bondage, in the same ideal, the same paradigm, that somehow they're going to create for themselves righteousness. So they do all of these things, and they're always doing, and they just feel like God will feel better about them, will love them a little bit more if they do all these things. And I'm not saying they're not good things. I am saying if you're going to do, do out of who you are. You know, the bird flies because that's his nature. And the fish swims because that's in its nature. It doesn't do that to prove that it's a bird or to prove that it's a fish. It does it because that's who it is. That's how He was created. You, child of God, were created righteous. And that which you do, you do unto righteousness. And it's the work of the Spirit of God that literally has joined His Spirit with yours. And that work is holy and righteous, no matter how mundane you may think it. And it is acceptable and pleasing to our God. Paul asserts through Scripture, We say that faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. And again, Paul is using accounting terms to demonstrate the exactness, the correctness of this. See, I want you to remember that the cross actually happened on both sides of time. It happened in time and it happened outside of time. Man is in time, but God stands outside of time and sees all things as present tense. So, for God, this credit was based on the finished work of Christ. I just illustrated that. I used the helicopter illustration. But that's the way God sees us. It's the only way that it would have been possible for Christ to literally die for the sins of all men from beginning of time to the end of time. He took it all. God stood outside of time and watched His Son die on the cross for eternity. For all. He watched it. And it happened in present tense. So when God looked upon Abraham and he said, I am crediting this man of faith as righteous. He wasn't giving him something based on nothing. He was literally counting him righteous based on the finished work of Christ. Abraham was righteous as God saw him. Romans 8.29 This is a good verse. Romans 8, 29. They're all good, but I like this one in reference to what I'm talking about. Romans 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning 
foreordaining them to be molded into the image of His Son and share inwardly His likeness, that He might become the firstborn of many brethren. Do you think He's just talking about people born in the New Testament? Those He foreknew from the beginning? Do you think maybe Abraham was one of those? Absolutely He was one of those. He foreknew Abraham as righteous, and Abraham appropriated it by faith. Romans 4.10, continuing, Paul's continuing, he says, How then was it credited to him, that being Abraham, was it before or after he had been circumcised? Because remember, the Jews believed that circumcision was part of them gaining righteousness, that they were made righteous through circumcision. They believed that they were made righteous through circumcision. So Paul asked the question, was it before or after he had been circumcised that he was credited with righteousness as a man of faith? It was not after, but before. Okay, so how was God's righteousness credited? If it was credited to Abraham in circumcision, then righteousness is for the Jew alone. If it was the act of circumcision that made Abraham righteous, and in that beginning only the Jew was circumcised in accordance to the law and to demonstrate the covenant that God made with Abraham, then only the Jew would be saved. Only the Jew would be righteous. But if it was for the uncircumcised, then righteousness is for every man through faith in Christ. Now, Abraham is the father of faith for all, and also the patriarch for the Jew. But Paul uses Scripture to literally knock the legs out of what they believe. He is saying to them that it was before. Abraham was declared righteous by faith before he ever was circumcised. So, this righteousness is not just for the circumcised. It is for the uncircumcised. It is for all men. Genesis 17.11 speaks to this. God speaks and says, And you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token, a sign of the covenant, the promise or pledge between me and you. See, circumcision was to be a pledge, a sign, a token. Now, as to whether righteousness was credited before or after circumcision, I think Scripture makes it pretty plain. You know, Genesis gives us the answer. Genesis does not tell us Abraham's age when he was declared righteous. But when Hagar had Ishmael, Scripture tells us that his age was 86. And Ishmael was 13 years old, and Abraham was 99 years old, when they were both circumcised. So, God declared Abraham righteous before Ishmael had ever been conceived. That was 14 years before circumcision. Abraham's righteousness was not credited because he was circumcised. Abraham was circumcised as a sign that he had been justified by faith. Now, Paul states it this way in Romans. Look at Romans 4.11. He received the mark of circumcision as a token or an evidence and seal of the righteousness which he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. Faith, 
so that he was to be made the father of all who truly believe, though without circumcision, and who thus have righteousness, right standing with God, imputed to them and credited to their account. Now, a sign is something that is an indicator of the existence or the presence of something else. It is not the subject, okay? And circumcision was to be an outward sign of an inward truth. And here's the reality of it. Man wants flesh to be the beginning and the end of his righteousness. He wanted flesh, man wanted flesh to be the source of righteousness, He wanted the outward works of flesh to be attributed as righteousness. That was the end game. You know, all circumcision was in truth was an act of obedience to God's command and a sign that the covenant had been made by God. It had no significance outside of that. What had significance was the faith of the individual who received it and their obedience in faith towards God. Do you know obedience is, is a sign? All obedience is a sign. Every bit of it. Obedience doesn't make us righteous. Obedience is us demonstrating or manifesting who we are. It is us behaving in conformity with the new heart that we've been given. That's what obedience is. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m., at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.